0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present bonus chatter, bonus chatter about your favorite team. That's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of fifteen hundred ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go oh, get
1: that first down get a touchdown! Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, it's Matthew Collar, with you and joining me from Channel Seven ABC Buffalo. My friend and the man I consider the best Buffalo Bills reporter in the city, Joe Biscalia. Joe, how are you? I'm great,
0: Matt. Good talking to you, man.
1: Yeah, you as well. You know, you and I were talking uh, a little bit before this week just about how I I always wish good teams on you, Joe, and it never happens.
0: <laughs> so maybe no. I'm
1: you know maybe I'm going to wish bad teams on you, and then they will eventually get it turned around.
0: Well, listen. There is a certain amount of uh, flair to be had when you uh, cover a a team that starts off the year 0 8, which was my first full year on the beat with with the Bills. They uh, th- that was back in 2010. They uh, went 0 and 8. Everybody thought they were going to get Cam Newton. At the end of things, they end up going 4 and 4 down the stretch, and then Cam Newton ends up going to the Carolina Panthers. So, um, and then the Bills have been in a uh, kind of a, a toilet bowl cycle ever since then. But now it seems like they've kind of uh, gotten their act together and they actually have somewhat of a plan, which is uh, refreshing to see here in Buffalo.
1: Well, you go through those years and you think about the number of quarterbacks that they could have had. And it's, so it's Cam Newton that they're on the doorstep and then decide to win games for no discernible reason. Uh, Russell Ooh. Wilson was too short, said Buddy Nicks, which, you know, you should definitely pass on talented players because they're too short. And then also Patrick Mahomes. You trade out of the pick in Buffalo to get more draft picks while Kansas City gets their future franchise quarterback. So I I think that what that means, Joe, is now if Josh Allen doesn't work out, they'll really be talking about trading out of that Patrick Mahomes pick.
0: Yeah, the Mahomes one is the one that's going to stick in people's craw. But I, I do at least offer this up just to the conversation. Back when that was done, the Bills I mean, they they had a GM on paper, but that GM was still Doug Whaley and they were just kind of playing out the string wait until the end of the draft to let him go and let him go on his merry way. And Sean McDermott controlled that entire draft and um but Brandon Bean, their current GM, was not there. So I think they knew what they were going to do at the GM spot heading into the draft and they thought it was too early into the rebuild. Uh, and also with the fact that they didn't want to try and sell this uh, GM job to to someone out there that, that didn't believe in a quarterback or didn't get a chance to swing at a quarterback themselves. So I totally get it, and the Mahomes thing is going to be a conversation for the, the rest of time until he either proves to be a bust or Josh Allen proves to be good. But, uh, but that is at least part of the nuance of the conversation that has to be considered.
1: So tell me though, jo- uh, Joe, is there anything to be said so far or is it just too soon and you haven't seen hardly any of them? But, but in training camp, you get indicators and in preseason, you get indicators of whether the doubters of Josh Allen were way off. Were they close? Does it look like it's just way, way too soon? to get any indication of that because on this very podcast, I have um, not been friendly to Josh Allen because I have a really tough time believing that a guy who completes 50% of his passes at Wyoming and doesn't dominate at the college level is just all of a sudden going to beat great NFL quarterbacks week in and week out and great NFL defenses and handle defensive pressure in the NFL, which is way, way more harsh than it is in college. So I I have not, Believed in him, and when the bills picked him, I thought, well, you've just basically wished another couple of years of being down on yourselves and you'll be drafting another quarterback soon i mean is is that too harsh, or I mean, what have you seen so far?
0: Well, I think uh it might be a little too harsh just for right now um, i I will say, and I was a little bit in your camp too when um back in the draft process, but once once the bills took him, I went back and really Dug deep into every single game that I could get my hands on of, of him at Wyoming. And I think part of the, the equation that has to be considered with him, and it's not the whole story because the argument is quarterbacks can, can overcome these things, but the, it it was, um, two years ago, his offensive line was just They were giving up countless amounts of pressures, and he could never get comfortable back there. But he had a good, solid core of uh, a running back in Brian Hill who ended up making the league, a wide receiver in Tanner Gentry who who made the Bears last year, and now he's on their practice squad this year. And so they at least had some pass-catching talent. That kind of flipped his final year at Wyoming. The offensive line got a little bit better. But all his good pass catchers, running backs, they were gone. So he, he was basically doing the whole song and dance by himself. However, good quarterbacks have to o- overcome those things. And I think there's, there's enough there with him where you see these flashes where it's like, okay, if, if he can harness these things, that's what these evaluators are talking about. And I will say, you know, part of the part of the problem that I saw with him coming out of Wyoming was that uh, his footwork was terribly inconsistent. And I know how much uh, you appreciate Zoolander as well as I do. <laughs> and the, the the thing I would liken it to with Josh Allen is he's not an ambi thrower. <laughs> you know, uh, and and this is this is why when he's throwing to his left hand side, or at least when he did in college, he would almost open up his left hip the same way. That like a, that like a second bait or a shortstop would when he's trying to turn two yeah. and when he's throw, when he's throwing it to the sideline because he's got the arm and he could rely on it at all times. And that is specifically something I saw offensive coordinator Brian Dable working with Josh Allen on during the spring and the summer. Now we saw that creep in a little bit in his first start against the chargers, but that said, it's been better. Um, since his days in college. So there there are some flashes of of progress for him. It's just way too early at this point to know if he's actually going to hit or if he'll be consistent enough. But they have a lot of hope in him. I mean, Brandon Bean I think, is a pretty smart guy and uh, the GM of the team. And, um, you know, I, I, he has a lot riding on this kid, and he wouldn't draft just anybody, I don't think.
1: Well, you wouldn't know anything about uh, a GM who puts his career – on the arm of a guy who's drafted sort of mid first round for his big hands and big arm, would you?
0: <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. That no. doesn't sound familiar no, at all.
1: No, nothing. Uh well, you know, my, my concern if if I were the Bills for this week, um, Joe, is that they're going to be reading Josh Allen's Yagoogly because uh <laughs> he's facing and even if Everson Griffin isn't playing, this is still an incredible defensive line who just added another really good player And a player that actually the Bills, I think, wanted to pick up in Tom Johnson with Pro Bowl linebackers, the best safety in the game for my money, Harrison Smith, one of the best shutdown corners in the game in Xavier Rhodes, one of the best defensive minds in the game and one of the most difficult stadiums to play in for any team. I mean, this just seems like if you were trying to ruin a quarterback's confidence, this is exactly what you would do to him.
0: Right. I will say though, for for Allen, and I'm gonna go over how the Vikings stack up with the Bills after this this quick little nugget. Josh Allen is naive, but in a good way because he doesn't let stuff get to him. Like like he's just he's just kind of got a a blocker around his head the entire time, and he's just kind of a a happy-go-lucky guy, more more of a more of a kid type of personality than anything, but he still gets serious and, and goes to work when, when he needs to be on the practice field and when he needs to hype, hype the guys up and everything like that. But, um, as far as losing confidence after one week, I mean, his confidence should have been shot after Wyoming, but he, he somehow got through all that and, and still has a, a good head on his shoulder. But in terms of the matchup, I mean, this is just a full on tilt towards the Vikings. I mean, I, I was on, uh, I, we were recording our, uh, Bills Beat podcast, uh, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic and I, uh, earlier today. And I, I literally sat there and said, Matthew, I don't know where on the field, uh, the, the Bills win. And I think uh, the only thing that, that came out of my mouth was the, uh, maybe the rookie Harrison Phillips, if they give him enough time at one technique over the center. That, that might be the only spot where they can, they can do some winning because, I mean, like you pointed out, Xavier Rhodes is a shutdown guy. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite players in the league. Um, and him going against Kelvin Benjamin, pff, good night. I mean, yeah. Kelvin Benjamin struggles with separation it, itself and a guy who's that big and, and has that much range. No, no shot. I, I would be shocked if, uh, Xavier Rhodes, if not picks off a pass of Josh Allen's, um, then get g- comes very close to it because of how little separation his top receivers give him. Um, and then when you look defensively for the Bills, I mean, Tre'Davious White is is a really really good corner, and I think there's a chance they might stick him on Stephon Diggs. But then who the heck is covering Adam Thielen? Right? Uh, because they've got a rookie in the nick at nickel, a Taron Johnson who's just coming off a shoulder injury. They've got Phillip Gaines who. Literally has a fractured elbow. He has like a bionic arm over his entire, hmm. um, elbow area. And okay, is, is he going to cover Adam Thielen? And then even Laqu- Laquan Treadwell, even though he hasn't, uh, done a ton in the NFL to this point, he still has the physical attributes to beat up a matchup like that. So I just don't know where this Bills team wins. Uh, if their best hope is to get pressure on Kirk Cousins and tr- to try and uh, create some turnovers, but even that, they have not shown a great ability to do that so far this season.
1: Yeah, and, w- and one thing that's interesting about the Vikings offense is you can't really lock on to one wide receiver because John DiFilippo and, and Pat Shermer before him, they can move these guys around like chess pieces all over the field. So if you try to lock down Stephon Diggs. It isn't like some receivers that just go out to the X and, and that's where they stay on that outside all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, they're going to line up in bunch formations. They're going to line up in the slot. They're going to move everybody around and they're going to make it way more difficult for the one super talented player over there to try to track him down. I also haven't seen anybody yet who can shut down Stefan Diggs because of his just insane route running ability and the fact that he could go up and get almost anything and th- and that's the thing about the the pressure joe is that even if the bills are able to create some up front it just doesn't really seem to affect these two guys Thieland and Diggs all that much and then the Vikings play off of that that if you're going to blitz then they're going to run screens and they yeah. they would ru- they ran a screen I don't know if it was a blitz but it might have been to uh you know Kyle Rudolph that resulted in a 23 yard play and a key spot for them against the Packers, where it's like they've got all sorts of different things that they could do because there's playmakers all over. Now, the one advantage the Bills could have, and there are so very few, but it does not <laughs> appear Delvin Cook is going to play because uh, he had a hamstring injury, did not practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday, so it becomes very unlikely now that he's going to to play, and they, and they might decide it's just not a good idea when they have the Rams and Eagles coming up. But man, that's the only area where I'm seeing is maybe get some pressure up front, but I feel like they've got ways to beat that and, and have done that successfully under Keenum and now under Cousins as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and quickly on the, on the Stefan Diggs point, the only reason I think Trey White might shadow him is just because we saw last week, uh, the Bills had him follow a, follow around Keenan Allen and Keenan mm-hmm. Allen kind of does a little bit of the same thing where he lines up in the slot, lines yep. up outside, sometimes lines up in the backfield. And he wasn't on him every single play because sometimes the bills went into their more normal zone coverage. But um, when they were in man coverage, white was right over Allen and, and he, he kept him quiet when he was in that man coverage. It was, it was pretty impressive to watch now in terms of Dalvin cook, that is definitely a plus for the Bills, I mean, their run defense was a bit better against the Chargers than it was against the Ravens, but they will be going in with without uh, a fourth defensive tackle. And Sean McDermott believes heavily in uh, the, the the rotation up front. They're going to be going into it with without their best uh, run-stuffing defensive end, which is Shaq Lawson, who is uh, going to be down for the second straight week due to a hamstring injury. So there are a few concern areas but i i think the the Viking could still have some success even with Latavius Murray uh if you know and, and it, it'll probably pain Bills fans to hear this but uh, over Kyle Williams because at this point in his career he's just mm-hmm. he just doesn't have the same sort of get up and go to his game anymore which is kind of the reason why i've been uh pushing the fact that Harrison Phillips the the young rookie the third round pick who's shown really well so far uh he, he is deserving of more playtime. i mean the bills literally played kyle williams 75 percent of snaps that is insane for yeah. a 34 year old guy that just doesn't have the same get up and go anymore
1: harris phillips was a guy who sort of intrigued me for potentially for the vikings uh, they ended up going with jalen holmes who's much more of a project uh, in the fourth round for the defensive tackle position but Uh, you know, a a guy that had great production at Stanford, but maybe didn't have, you know, the perfect measurables, but you know, that's always, that's always a tough draft conversation. But when you get into Mm -hmm. the third round, you might as well take the guy if he's got great production. Um, but you know, I'm curious, Joe, about just the, the direction you mentioned and the ownership that is there, because you know, it just, every time that this goes for the Buffalo Sabres, this goes for the Buffalo Bills, they own both teams. Every time it seems like, okay, they've got that direction down and they're going to stick with this coach and they're going to ride it out through the tough times, there isn't a whole lot of patience there. And, I mean, if you start the season losing the way they did to the Ravens and then to the Chargers and get beat by 50 or something in Minnesota, I mean, is there any way that McDermott can be on the hot seat? Or, I mean, what would it take?
0: No, I I honestly believe they could go 0-16 this year and he's fine. Um, he. And Brandon Bean have both done everything that they have promised to Terry and Kim Pagula, the owners of the Bills to this point in time since they have been hired. I mean, their goal last year was not making the playoffs. They, they all thought that they were not going to be good last year. And then they got some lucky bounces. They started off five and two. Then the trade deadline came around. They're like, wow, we've got a really good shot to end this. 17 year playoff drought. And then they went and acquired Kelvin Benjamin. Um, and, and so they actually made the playoffs. So that bought them goodwill. And then from there, even with only having the 22nd overall pick, they somehow transitioned that and a bunch of trades into moving into the top 10 to get a quarterback like they promised they were going to do in 2018. And, and the, and a quarterback that the entire organization believes in. And then on top of it all, they they ended up moving back up uh, the order in the first round to go land a uh, what they hope to be a franchise quarterback uh, type of middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds, who's just a physical freak. So all of these things that that they have told the Pagulas that th- that were going to happen also, not even on the football side, cleaning up the building because it it, it was long overdue for. Mm-hmm all of the people from all the ye- days of yesteryear to be jettisoned out of the building and they got rid of all the leaks. You don't know. You, you might not notice a lot of stuff coming from uh, the bills anymore. That's because uh, they were trying to sniff out all these leaks that, that were there inside the building. Um, so they have done all of those things, which is why I think Terry and Kim Pagula are very much on the same page with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And even Sean McDermott over the past couple of weeks has, has, Said things like, "No, it's early in the second year." You know, nobody said it was going to be easy. All of these, all of these turns of phrase that indicate one thing: they're cool with losing this year, as long as they're learning, as long as they're progressing, along as long as they're evolving, and as long as they start to get a little bit more competitive in games. I think they are just fine with a season that results with a top five draft pick.
1: Well, you know, Joe, that I am as pro tank as pro tank has ever been. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's just, I wonder about the the level of patience that happens there. And, and maybe, you know, making the playoffs was about the worst thing that could have happened because then it sort of made it look worse, especially on the national spectrum. And then, and then the last thing I want to ask you about here is just the guy retiring. I mean, Vontae Davis retiring at halftime. I'm sure that you've spent your whole week, uh, talking about this and answering questions about it. But, uh, in one way, Joe, I feel like. Hey, respect, man. Like, if you can't do it anymore, then just tell everybody you can't do it and walk away. But then in the, on the other side of things, if you're trying to sell Sean McDermott, Hey, we're building this culture here and everything else to have a veteran player just be like, nope. Um, it's, and Anquan Boldy kind of did the same thing to them last year. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of confidence of everybody around him.
0: No, it doesn't look great from the outside perspective and that's that's very clear. But even after Anquan Bolden retired, that entire locker room kind of rallied around each other and they really bought all the way the heck into what Sean McDermott was saying even to the point in which they overperformed uh by winning 9 games which was far more than they probably should have. And you know, they also got some random bounces their way and it all it all helped too. But uh, I think by and large, they overperformed. And and even though this Vontae Davis thing happened, they, they still have, uh, even though they have a lot of younger guys playing, they still have a lot of uh, older veterans in the locker room like Kyle Williams, like Lorenzo Alexander, that um, a lot of these younger guys are leaning on when, when it comes to, you know, what to do as a professional. So, and you know, it, it was definitely an unexpected thing. And just to give you a, for instance, about how this whole thing kind of went down on Sunday. Uh, you know, I saw Lafayette Pitts, who is their special teams cornerback in the game on defense in the second half. And so my immediate response, because I'm absolutely neurotic, is to go and look. To see wherever the player he just replaced is is on the sidelines. Is he hurt? What's going on? Is he in the medical tent? Is mm-hmm. he on uh, is he on the medical table? What happened there? I'm not seeing 22 anywhere. I I must have looked in binoculars about 10 different times. Then I I uh I looked to see if he was just out there maybe just in street clothes. Didn't see him there. Went up to the Bills PR staff and I and I said, hey, is is there something up with Davis? And they said, nope, not injury related. And that immediately triggered something mm-hmm. like, what's going on here? And so I, I tweeted out a few times. No one really took to it. And then after the fact, when Sean McDermott was asked about it, he said, yeah, he told us he was done. Um, and then later on, the, the reports were that he left the stadium at halftime. And I think the biggest contention with him was not that he decided it was enough for him, because I can respect that. I mean, these guys are humans you know if you don't feel like you have it in your heart anymore then don't do it. I even pull yourself out of the game. I think the biggest contention most of the players probably had with that was okay, well then why did you have to leave the stadium? Right. I mean, right. The, the, you could you could have waited an hour and a half, 2 hours and then sent out your message on NFL and it's it's not even as though people would have ridiculed him. He could have mm-hmm. walked he he could have walked out of the building. Without talking to media, someone from the media could have came up to him and said, hey, you got a minute? And he said he could have said, you know what? No, I'm 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 just going to I'm just going to head out. Pull the car. And and yeah, that that could have been fine. But he was gone and never heard from again. And I don't think the Bills have heard from him again.
1: Okay, now real last thing. How fun is it for you to see Ryan Fitzpatrick doing Ryan Fitzpatrick things? Considering that was one of the first guys you covered, and is one of the all-time great people in football.
0: He, um, I, I still to this day maintain that he was my favorite player to cover in the NFL, just because. I mean, people people can see it now, but I mean that guy has about fourteen lives. Screw nine. <laughs> He's got he he just keeps coming back. I think I saw someone uh i forget who it was but it was brilliant they did the Ryan Fitzpatrick cycle where he he signs a big contract and then yes. he stinks gets released goes to another team backs up the other the other quarterback gets hurt or suspended he gets in the lineup tears it up gets a new contract the cycle starts again <laughs> i mean but to be honest he's one of the the nicer guys in the league um it, it when when he has that type of success you're like all right well i mean if I don't know how he's doing it at 34 years old, but he's he's still managing to crush it. I don't know how he how long he can keep it up because we've seen this from Fitzpatrick before. But uh, you know, I'm sure people in Tampa Bay are sure, certainly uh, riding the Fitz wave, and and they'll continue to ride it because I've I've seen that before with my own eyes.
1: Joe, uh, great to catch up with you here. I appreciate the analysis from the Bills side, and uh, let's have an omelet on Sunday morning.
0: I totally agree. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast.